Hi, everybody. Welcome again to the Heart of the Matter. This is Kelly Hart, and I have a wonderful friend with me today. It's TR. TR, welcome to Heart of the Matter. Thanks, Kelly. It's a pleasure to join you this morning. Oh, thank you. Well, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. You're such a good friend and such a wonderful person to spend time with. Uh, I wanted to have you here today with me to kind of talk about your journey with uh, working in a very male dominant, I can't even say it today, I'm tongue tied already, you got me so excited. A very male dominated role and world, um, and also what it's like to uh, steward young men, professionally and also personally. So tell us a little bit about you, what you do, and uh, where where you've been in the world. Yes, sure, thanks. That sounds great. Love to tell you a little bit more about this. Um, I guess without going too far into exactly everything that I'm currently involved with, I'll tell you that um, uh, my family and I, we originally grew up in Miami, Florida, and um, where our, our families were originally from. We moved to the Carolinas right before I started high school. And um, so that was obviously a big change right there and that um, being the oldest of three boys, I don't know if they necessarily had the same impact I did as moving right before high school and everything else that probably shapes a little bit of who I am today. Um, the difference between myself and the youngest is almost eight years. So mm -hmm. the move for them wasn't as probably as big of a deal. But um, yeah, from there, you know, growing up in the Carolinas and uh, even preceding that growing up in Miami, I've always been a huge sports fan. I played sports from an early age. I had a father who played collegiate football at the University of North Carolina that had a big influence on my life. And then not ironically, once I went to undergraduate school and then proceed following to uh, graduate school, I knew I wanted to be in the sports world. Mm -hmm. I was pursuing a degree in a uh, master's degree in sport management and was able to get that. Uh, and then finished, uh, spent a year also at another athletic department, basically finishing my degree and knowing that I was gonna head into my journey working in sports. So for over 30 years, I've worked in various capacities in uh, in sports management, operations, marketing, business development, partnerships, etc. And I've been with my current company for over 20 years, which is almost an anomaly in today's days and age, because yeah. there's a lot of movement out there. But um, my roles have spanned from working in professional football to the Olympics to tennis, to uh, pretty much every major sport on the contractual side, meaning uh, working with a company where we're securing their rights and permissions to use their IP in yeah. games and other things like that. So it's uh, it's all been sports related since I kicked off my journey many years ago. Yeah, that's pretty exciting stuff. I bet you've seen a lot, been a lot of places. Do you have a favorite memory when you think back about it? I think the ability to probably travel internationally was something I always wanted to do. So I've worked with um, hockey leagues all over Western Europe, numerous car manufacturers. Um, mm -hmm. and in addition to that, I've spent a lot of time in the golf world. So one of the highlights is probably been able to go to the, the Grand Slam, which is all four majors. Mm -hmm. uh, has been an unbelievable experience. So everything from the Masters to the U.S. Open to the PGA Championship and then the Open Championship, which is always in the U.K. Um, these are experiences... I probably would have never dreamed of because as a kid, these are things that I watched and just, um, you know, fast forward 25 years later, I'm meeting people that I watched as a child. Yeah. Um, they may be in retired, yes. but they're still involved. Yeah. It's heroes. I mean, 
Pro Football Hall of Fame, going to the Super Bowl. I don't want to, I'm not trying to sound braggadocious about talking about it, but this is, this has opened up things to me that I've been passionate about. So I, I've never, I'll say one thing, I've always been very conscientious of how fortunate I've been to be able to do these things. Mm-hmm. I just think the experience that I've had have been amazing. Um, it's been very blessed, really, to be able to do something that I love. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I'm very fortunate in that way. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So what do you think have been some of the biggest challenges that you faced working in this profession? Well, I would say this, the the road to get in there was not necessarily the easiest one, meaning that um, it's a highly competitive industry. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's professional team, whether it's working in college athletics, could be anything. Um uh, Sports are extremely popular, uh, the NFL being probably the largest and most successful sports organization globally, mm-hmm. um, for sure in North America. Um, but um, so when I say that, it wasn't necessarily very easy. It took a lot of um, willingness to um, somewhat sacrifice in terms of, well, being an intern, not necessarily getting paid the first few years out, had mm-hmm. to volunteer, which meant that I had to work additional jobs outside of it. So. I may have been doing something in the athletic department nine to five, but then I was working in a department store at night uh, in the clothing department or something like that, or working event security. Um, and that just took a long time. To, it took three or four years. This is, again, this goes back to the early 90s. So we won't talk about numbers and everything, what that looked like. But it was, um, I think you had to have that uh, willingness to stick it out because it was really easy. A lot of the folks that I went to grad school with eventually did not, stick it out to, to, to pursue a, a professional career in sports. Mm-hmm. It just was maybe not necessarily financially rewarding, but also the opportunities just weren't great. I mean, it's just a limited, limited field. Now, the one thing I'd say is once you get into it, you've got your foothold and you do your best to stay in it if that's what you really want to pursue. So, um, yeah, most importantly, it was just difficult to break in and just had to be very, very willing to, to like I said, sacrifice and be persistent. Mm-hmm. What do you think some of the biggest life lessons you've learned from? Uh, well, I mean, I would say that I've said this over and over to myself is always do something that you enjoy, you're passionate about because mm-hmm. life's way too short. So the biggest lesson I got professionally is I'm doing something I enjoy. If it ever comes to a point where I don't, it's really not worth it. Um, you don't want to ever be in a position where you're waking up or you're, 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 you finished your day and you're already dreading going to what you're going to do the next day. That's just not a very fulfilling life. Um, not to go off onto a tangent, but I always say there's two things that impact each other. Number one, there's your professional work. Mm-hmm. And if you're unhappy with that, that can often blend into your personal life. Vice okay. versa, if you're in a relationship or something that's not working out, it's not satisfying, it's difficult. We're not robots to cut it off. They tend to blend each other because we spend the majority of our days at work, mm-hmm. um, you know, during the work week. And then we have our other life too. And it's not easy to necessarily disconnect those. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's been the resounding thing is that, um, I mean, to, to pursue what you enjoy has been a big part of who I am and Mm -hmm. I've been following what I've I've been passionate about. And I don't ever, again, I'll, I'll probably say it a few times. I'm very thankful for it. I think that's what I've gotten out of too, is being, being very grateful for opportunities and being, knowing that I'm getting to do something that I've enjoyed for this long and had a lot of, a lot of great things come my way. Yeah. So you have two young sons. Mm-hmm. What do you think um, you would advise them to do since you've got all this wonderful experience doing something you love? 
that would be the first thing is to, and, and for me, it's, it's really important that they find something that, um, they're going to be passionate about or enjoy. You know, the one of the, one of the big differences, and this is probably just a generational thing growing up is I felt like, um, from my group, and this is somebody who was, well, grew up in the seventies and eighties, essentially, and graduated from high school in the eighties, uh, later eighties is that we all, everybody, you automatically were going to go to college. That almost felt like that was an implied thing that you needed to do. It wasn't, it wasn't something you didn't think you needed. That's what everybody needed to do. And of course, that's what I did. And it's what I wanted to do. What's been, what's really different for me now in terms of thinking about four-year education and stuff like that and necessarily having, going to a major university. I was fortunate to do that in both cases. You know, for my kids, they could get a trade. They could go to community college. I'm definitely not having, there's no pressure. I went, there was not pressure placed on me from my parents to do it. It was just, it was just known that that's what you do. We were going to go to college. That's what you were needed to do to develop a career back then. I think it's very different for me and how I view things now. Um, you know, and if that's what they want to pursue, I'm certainly going to support that. But, um, you know, doing something that you're enjoying, whether that's a, a vocation, trade, et cetera, I'm fully behind that. And with them just being, well, they're just 13. So we're not quite close to them graduating yet, but we are at a critical stage where we're starting to think about those things. Middle school is a pretty important time. It's formative yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. So. so, you know, I think it's very interesting. And one thing that I, I one reason I wanted to talk to you specifically hmm. is that, um, you know, I do see a lot of the challenges that, you know, young men are facing. Um, that all men are facing, but specifically young men. What do you see? Uh, what I, well, this is a big difference. And I mean, not to get off into a, a hot topic per se, but the one thing that I think has been, I don't know if we want to say it's purposeful or whatever, masculinity is no longer just masculinity. The word masculinity means toxic. Right. That's, ten, that's the way it tends to be. We seem to to have a, a direction of making uh, boys not proud for being who they are and the certain innate qualities they have and girls have their qualities. Again, I'm not going off onto a tangent to get into another discussion with that, but I would say as raising young boys, it's very different. different. Um, competitive's good. It's a great thing. Being mm -hmm. masculine and having masculine characteristics and wanting to be a leader is a great thing. That doesn't mean it's toxic. And, um, you know, sticking up for your beliefs and everything is, is extremely important. And so I think I'm more conscientious of how they're aware of that, where it was already known. It kind of goes back to going to college and everything. If you consider my generation is the generation that were the grandchildren of the greatest generation in my mind. That was the World War II. So I think we still had some residual effects of how we grew up and the way we did things. I think we were, it was a lot more independent as children. Our parents did their thing, but we were it, that's where you had the latchkey kids. I mean, a lot of times, you know, I can remember people, we'd come home from school and parents may not be there, but you'd unlock, you take care of yourself. There is a lot more helicoptering that goes on now. It's just a very, very different day and age. I mean, I, I can see a directive. I mean, things like, even from a bigger perspective, think about things like riding bikes with helmets. So, th these are things that back then, it was just a different world. There wasn't all the different, I guess, safety measures, which is for good or bad. But, you know, I think kids would be out till it was dusk and that's the way it was. And they were playing outside. And, um, uh, you know, even with my generation, we did have electronics and video games, stuff like that. But this current generation, um, since they've been born and able to 
it's a lot of it is screen time, right? So they and they're consumed with it. It's uh, it's uh, it's easy to do. I've got no problems with any of the gaming stuff for a lot of different reasons, but um, uh, you know, I don't know if they get out as much as we we did as kids because we didn't have that in front of us. Not to say that we wouldn't, but um. That was a long-winded answer to that question, but I think it's yeah. it's drastically different in terms of how I see things for the boys. Um, yeah. And again, it goes back to starting off at the beginning when I answered this about masculinity. I think it's viewed as a very negative thing in a lot of ways, and uh, meaning not not positive. Where I believe being masculine has a lot of positive traits to it, and being a leader and and uh, being a provider and and mm-hmm. um, and all the other things that go with that. No, I agree 100%. And I think that it's very difficult for young men and even for young women. It's a very confusing time. Mm-hmm. So I think it's Absolutely. a topic that we're going to probably have to talk a lot more about. So for sure. I just wondered specifically, since you're in a very male-dominated field, yes, if you were seeing issues with um, individuals unraveling, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I think you could say that. I just think there's been so much, you know, particularly I'd say over the last three or four years, as a as a as a in the world globally, we've gone through a lot of different things that we've experienced um, from a work perspective. I've always been remote from my job. A lot of people were forced into remote work. It didn't matter what industry you're in. I think that's impacted everybody. Remote working is not necessarily for everybody, um, and just a lot of societal changes have come about. Um, over the last several years, it seems like, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of workplace um, roles, etc., like that. It's a touchy subject, so I'm mindful of how I say too much in, in regards to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that kind of is a good question, uh, a, a good path for me to go. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to talk about mental health a little bit since this mm-hmm. is a mental health podcast. But yes, what do you think? Um, mental health is like you know a lot of people talk about it oh mental health this mental wellness this but what's your definition of mental health versus mental wellness can you kind of line that up with uh mental health is somebody who um i guess they're not dealing with any type of certain um i don't want to say disorder but there's definitely a lot of disorder so that when, I, when it comes to mental health, somebody could have a bipolar disorder, there could be schizophrenia, there could be a number of professional terms that we could use for mental health, mm-hmm. depression, there's a lot of different things. I would say um, the one thing that's been good, particularly from my era of growing up to now, I think it's more understood that this is things that millions of people have to deal with. I think it's more... Um, it's something we're more willing to have a conversation about. Whereas that's something you did not talk about probably for my parents' generation. You didn't, we didn't have these types of, there wouldn't be any conversation about mental health or even mental wellness. I think mental health is being sound and, and knowing that uh, maybe you're needing to have some professional help with something, whether it's therapy, something to that effect. Mental wellness is kind of a daily thing. Consider it like a fitness. Um, We have a physical fitness. And funny that when we say that, so I often say um, I'm extremely active. So I probably will do something five to six days a week. But I always say I do that not only for body, but for mind and spirit. Because mm-hmm. for me, that's what I need for my balance. 
So wellness often means balance and things. Look, life is tough. We're going to all go through journeys. We're going to all have different trials and tribulations because that's just part of being here on this earth. And that's what we deal with. So I think wellness is a daily journey. Um, mental health is when you're addressing something that needs to be, I don't want to say fixed, but just addressed. Wellness is always for, for always. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. I like that answer. Good job. Good Thank job. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I'm going off the top of my head. No notes here. Going to go flying <laughs> by the seat of my pants, as they say. So I'm kind of going off the top of my head. No, yeah. no. So we talked about, you talked about exercise, but what other habits do you think you might have to keep yourself like fine tuned in your mental wellness? Um, being conscientious of how you handle relationships personally on the, whether it's business, outside of business, et cetera. So, but in addition to, um, and not to get necessarily into the religious part, I think prayer is a big part of what works for me. That could be meditation for somebody else, but trying to be uh, mindful and thoughtful. Um, you know, I've gotten to the habit where I try to start my day and think about what's coming up. I think it's spending a little bit of time alone. It could be in anything, and this could be for anybody, right? Whether that's how they're contemplating what's happening. It's really trying to check yourself. Now, this, when I say this, Let's consider this part of the journey that's unraveled over the last couple of years. So it's taken me quite a while to get to this place. I'm a lot more introspective. Um, so, uh, but fitness is a big part of that. It just, yeah. I'm somebody who's the way I'm wired. I need, I've just been active my whole life. I played competitive stuff. I still do competitive things now. It's part of my nature. Mm -hmm. And, but it helps me, it helps me just all, all across mentally, physically, et cetera. Right. So. And are there any practices that you do for your boys that kind of help them with their mental wellness? Um, you know, with them, as you can imagine, with teenagers, um, I think I'm more mindful in conversations I have with them mm -hmm. without. I don't know if I'm, I'm hitting hard enough with them on certain things yet, although we're at a point where they're growing, changing all the time. And mm -hmm. um, I'm trying to probably instill some of the habits I had. Uh, they're not working yet, but I've been pretty conscientious about saying, you know, when you get to be about 15, we're going to do some summer jobs. So I want you to start to think about what that's going to be, because that's really the age that I started doing something. So um, that's a big part of responsibility is probably a big thing. I would say their their mother and I uh, probably agree on that. We may not be in the same household, but uh, the one thing we do is co-parent well together. And that's probably been the key of how, how we're raising our kids. Awesome. Yeah. Good. I like yeah. that. So I hear yeah. a lot of balance, a uh -huh. lot of mindfulness, trying to keep yeah. yourself in the middle versus falling too far to one side or the other. Totally. That's yeah, and that's something I've, I've had to learn. It's taken a long time to get to that point. Yeah, I think I'm still working on it. So. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, I feel like it's always a journey. I think we're always learning. Yeah, I think so too. That's what, you know, I think we're human. We're always going to continue to work on it. Mm -hmm. but that, mm -hmm. That's the wonderful thing, especially when you can have good friends like you who kind yes, of help us you. along and go, okay, it's time to be encouraged. You know, it's okay. You need those people in your life. Keep on, keep on. Yep. All right. Um, Absolutely. What do you think is the most important thing that you have learned, not just professionally, but just cumulatively that you might want to share with folks out there? Well, 
You know, and this goes back to the point of how I, my generation was raised, and that is that um, we tended to keep all of our stuff inside. I've had to overcome that. That is just, that's a male, I don't want to classify that as a male trait, but I can just tell you from, these things are just kind of implied. It's just the way it is, is that um, I would I would work through things myself. This goes through high school, college, et cetera, without shame. That is not necessarily the healthy way to go. So the one, it's really not, to be to be honest with you. If the one thing that I've learned is to have that willingness to say, you know what? I need somebody else to step in and help guide me. And I need to seek that, which again, it's become more accepted. I think it was maybe more taboo. Maybe 30 years ago, you you know, you have to go to therapy. You want to talk to a professional counselor or whatever. Whereas what I've realized is that's what needs to be done in a lot of cases, particularly with what everybody went through over the last few years with the pandemic, isolation, mm-hmm. everything else. And I imagine that's been something that's impacted just about everybody. I mean, we all went through it together. So it's not a one part of the world situation. Um, so for me, one of the biggest things I've learned is to be willing to reach out to talk to somebody, which is not necessarily I'm somebody who I'm not wired that way either. It was not comfortable for me. It's not necessarily, but I'm, I'm totally at ease now, even having a conversation like this. It's very different. Um, and the one thing you learn too is maybe you, it takes a, a lot longer for some people to get to that point. But boy, when you, when your eyes are open and you're awake, um, it really changes things. Wonderful. So, what yeah. do you think? How do you think that has impact will impact the rest of your life? Do you think? I just think it's changed everything, honestly, in terms of when it comes from relationships and everything else. I mean, this, this, a lot of this stems from a relationship that failed a few years ago and not to dive too much into that, but I really call it kind of, <laughs> it sounds a little bit overstated here, but I call it the awakening really, because since that point and learning on my journey has really changed everything. I think it's going to be great for how I help my boys as they go through life and they deal with relationships because you know what, it's going to happen. They're going to deal with hardships. It doesn't matter professionally or personally, that's just life. Nobody skates free. We don't get to go around without dealing with that. And I just think since that point, I, my, I just have, I've really changed in a lot of ways in how I view things. Also prioritizing things are really important too. Maybe that's a time of life thing. Um, I've always, family's always been important, but I just think, you know, the other thing that I'd say the, the, the probably is one of the strongest statements, I would do exactly everything the same way that I did it. Because that's what got me here today. Ah. So whether it was a difficult, difficult thing to deal with and mm-hmm. have to um, fight through, I, if you said, "So would you do it again?" The answer there's not a hesitation to say yes. Because then I would have never really figured a lot of things out um, that really have benefited me. In the moment, you weren't thinking that. No, I was but, not. But now no. you can see it, right? Oh, I, you can. I can see it as clear as day. I don't. I think once you see it, you can't unsee it. And I think it gives you a clearer clarity and perspective of things. And, you know, the one thing that came a lot out of that, too, is my my interest in really learning more about relational stuff and how we deal with things. And I always said, I think this is one of the things early on I felt like, I said, well, what, what can I do one day to get back? And uh, what have I learned on my journey? And, um, you know, you, it, it never hurts to talk to people. That's that I know for a fact, and um, there could be the right person to help you because they've gone through a similar path that could really open open some eyes. Yeah. And so what are some of the ways you're thinking about giving back? Because that's what I'm excited about. 
You know, I, you know, I, I you know, I'm at that point. I'm, I'm doing great in my career, and I still love it. But I mean, I don't know if that means necessarily getting a certification or going into this, looking into, you know, maybe it's being a life coach. Maybe it's talking about my journey. I do enjoy speaking to classes, so maybe that's something both professionally in the field I'm in, but maybe outside of that too. I just have a real desire to want to, I want to help people. I mean, I think I, I've gone through it. I've gone through a, a, some, you know, this stuff that I've, I feel like, you know, if I can benefit somebody, then that's something I want to do. Now, what is that? How is that going to manifest exactly that? I'm still trying to figure out what I can do, but, you know, just even something like this and talking about it, I'm completely at ease having a conversation and, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't, you know, so I don't know, I don't necessarily have a necessary, a direct game plan on it, mm -hmm. but I'm still kind of pulled that way. Well, and I think, you know, while others will view this podcast and it on YouTube, and uh, I hope many people will eventually see it and they will see, you know, our friendship and our relationship mm -hmm. and they'll say, oh, yeah. look, there's just two, two dear friends spending time together. Right. Um, they won't see that at one point, you know, you were really hurting and you were in a place where, you know, you were broken. They, they, they will never, they will never know that TR, right? No, they Cause won't. Because you, no. you sit here today, just handsome and smiling and confident and you're just strong self, you know? It's being comfortable with yourself, being content. That's the other thing too is, um. It's just, it's being comfortable. With, it really has changed. It is a great place. Look, we still are all going to deal with stuff, but I just tell you the contentment and the being at ease is so different. And the one thing I'd say when the, and this is, this is, they're all different journeys, different parts of life. This has certainly been a two plus year journey here, but when the journey started, and as I said, I basically felt like if I was to ever draw or paint a picture of it, it would be like being broken into a million pieces and poured out onto the floor. That's what it felt like. Now, that was a culmination of a lot of different things that had happened over the course of a year. Different traumas can come in, and eventually you get to that point. So there were, there were, there were things that had happened, but I think I just felt like um, this is, I'm not figuring this out on my own. And, uh, but, you know, you have, to, you have to hope that you find the right person to get you through the journey, because that's an important part of it, too. I mean, it's, uh, and sometimes you may have to, to go into a couple different directions to find that, but it was a reset, really. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's put, it was putting the pieces, so call it Humpty Dumpty, call it whatever you want to, but, um, yeah, it was, so, it was really, it was a reset in a lot of ways. So let me ask you, it, let's hmm. just say that it's Providence, and this person just is in that same spot that you might have been in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you could speak to them, you only got a couple seconds to reach them. What would you say? Because, I mean, you know, I'm the therapist and I beg all the time, yeah. you know, trying to get people to to listen, to hear, to, to maybe not take their life because that's what I do. I'm not in Canada, by the way. You can yeah. tell because there are yeah, right. pods and quarters up there. Yeah. <laughs> well, what would you say to them? Well, I would say if somebody was in that situation, now I'll say within my case, I may have been broken, but I've never contemplated that because you know what we call that? That's a permanent solution to a temporary situation. There you go. That's not anywhere that I've ever, I've not been there. I was, I, w I needed a reset and I needed to, to have a conversation. 
But if I had a few seconds, I'd say, in knowing that maybe somebody's in a very broken place, don't make an don't make a decision that's going to be a permanent solution to something you can overcome. Um, I, I think that's most important. But there is hope on the other side. It's finding the right way to figure out what didn't work and finding ways to get back to who you are. Because I think sometimes we get lost. And whether it's a relationship thing, you can easily lose who you are. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was the, the avenue we wanted to go down to. But when you mentioned that, that's just my, it's something I've heard. I'm not, not the one to catch, the, you know, coin that phrase. But I really think it resonates, hopefully, with It's a big deal. It's, it means, look, we're going to go through tribulations. But don't ever take that to the extreme decision where there are no more decisions after. Yeah, so I think so. Yeah, I mean, it's important. People need to, it's not necessarily easy to unfold and unwind what you're going through because it's painful to have those conversations. I know at first hand, it's extremely painful. Mm -hmm. It's also just as painful to probably keep it internalized and to never express it. Yes, and, and, you know, and I think when we have these big hurts in our lives and we've all had them, you know, people are not alone, even though they feel alone. Correct. Right. But they can connect with people. There are other people out there on the other right. side, right on. even if it's on the other side of the screen or it could be on the other side of a chair. There are people out there that will care and they will love you through it and they will help you Correct. walk with you. Yeah, Because they've been through it. They have. Been and they, under, they understand the, where you're at. Mm-hmm. They have. So yeah, there's hope. There is, there hope. is hope. There always is. I was thinking the other word that I was just thinking about was cathartic was another one. I could think of a lot of different adjectives and things to consider, yeah. but uh, I mean, it really was. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, I'm going to leave it with you. Is there anything else you'd like to share? Any words of wisdom? What do you got? Anything? I, I, I would uh, first again, thanks again. This is uh, I'm really glad to be invited to speak a little bit because this is, you've been a part of the journey. Um, I would just say most importantly, keep the hope. Don't try to figure things out with on your own. There are people out there that want to help, and they can help, and you'll get through it. But if you ever get, when you do get to the other side, it really is um, what a way to view things. Um, and know that we all go through this journey together. We all get one run, and so we try to make the best of it. And there is hope. I think that's a good thing that you've hit on. Um, there definitely is. And uh Hang in there, right? That's right. Hang in there. There's always another there's always another day and it's up to you to change that and, and, and want to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Yeah, sure. uh, and for anybody out there that wants to get in contact with TR, I will have his contact information on my webpage. And if it's not up when you see this, you can always reach out to me and my email address and it'll be listed on the heart of the matter website so please click subscribe and follow us and always follow us here on the heart of the matter podcast thank you so that's it Tom. thanks that's awesome. awesome yeah well, that, cool. that was good yeah yeah what'd good. you think i liked it yeah i liked it i thought it was good i mean i you know not having notes or anything i was hoping you know you just don't know i didn't know what necessarily to go too far deep into any one thing but um i enjoyed talking about it yeah it was I just want- we could definitely we could have gone we could have gone even to more deeper onto the um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Later I mean, about on. how 
Yeah. I mean, well, maybe this is the first time we're just trying to figure out how, how to have the conversation. But if we really wanted to, I mean, because this was kind of an overview, right? This is a, a thing. And, but I mean, if and that's the broken part is really important. Yeah. I want people to hear that. So I'm going to probably do like three or four people who have like been through therapy that have like really been devastated and they are yeah. just like thriving right now. Because yeah. I want basically kind of to do a testimony like here's my life here's what I've been doing and people like you who are remarkable like high performers who yeah. just like knocking it out of the park and you would look at them and go what the heck? you never know right yeah and I don't think you know I think I did a good enough job somewhat of when we went through all that I mean you know you saw, if there's nobody that saw the bottom me now but you to be honest with you oh I know um, and you know, but I still think I was able to to pull it together enough that a lot of people would have, they'd have no no fucking idea. They would have no idea how no, broken. That's not still on the recording, is it?